G'day Frothers, Benny Wellington here with another episode, ripping episode as usual. Got um, Maddie Kendall on the line of conversation that we had last Friday. So we need to take into consideration that that was almost a week ago, five days ago. So given the current climate, things are changing. Um, this conversation dives deep into sense making, which is a really hot topic for myself and the people I'm really um, I'm following and listening to, the people who are actually allowing me to make sense of the world. And so Maddie kind of shines a light on that. He's kind of like our Aussie, uh, I won't say the word guru, but for me, he, he can run with the, the elite pack in terms of how we are strategizing and structurally thinking about how we're making sense of the world. Because Maddie's background is um, as one of Australia's best strategists, uh, he started an agency called From, um, and he really looks at new systems and ways that we can do things that are really breaking away from old paradigm thinking. In this episode, we, we talk a little bit about within the context of our program, Rise Up, which if you are listening to this today, if you just catch it, 8th of April, 2020, jump onto reunion.earth and you may be able to jump on. Otherwise, you will be able to put your email in if that's your jam. Um, we don't have sponsors on this podcast. This is just about uh, the work that I put out into the world and the work that the people I interview uh, are the, the things that I really recommend people checking out, seeking out, indulging in, um, getting your froth levels up. That's why we bring the frothers on onto these conversations for you guys. So uh, yeah, Matty Kendall, basically one of the most brilliant minds that I, I get the pleasure of hanging out with regularly. And um, when the guy gets on a riff, it's, it's flow in motion. It's flowetry in motion. How about that one, Jason Silver? wonder if he's got that. Anywho, without further ado, let's get Matty Kendall on the line. And uh, yeah, feel free, as I always forget to do, um, to subscribe to the podcast and do all that other cool stuff that uh, allows the podcast to perpetuate and the brilliant thinkers who I am chatting to get their message further out to the world so we can uh, yeah, become more whole humans. So without further ado, times two, I give you Matty Kendall. Well, another episode of Finding the Frothers. Don't know why I said well there. Um, welcome to the, uh, maybe I was, I was trying to say welcome. Welcome to uh, Finding the Frothers, Matt Kendall, dear friend of mine. Hey, Benny. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Um, we were just talking about, what are we going to riff on? What, what's, what's the plans? And I just got back from a surf, a really good surf, actually. Um, social distancing, of course. Um, but Maddie kind of just had a couple of back-to-back meetings on the Zoom. So I think there's like, there's some emergent things around, you know, Zoom fatigue. So what we want to do is have, free-flowing conversations um, and not go back-to-back, I think. So we want to we give each other a little bit of space in this. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity, Maddie. What are you frothing on at the moment? What's got you, got you buzzed? Um, I, I guess seeing people, um, I, I suppose, rediscover discover a new way of working um, or, um, or just even discovering a new way of working um, and realizing that it is possible. And, and I think, you know, you, you, we've all seen what's been happening with the governments. You know, we we're talking about, you know, climate change 
you know, that it wasn't possible to do these things. It wasn't possible to sort of stop the flights. It wasn't possible to find the money for these kind of programs. And now we're all witnessing the government, you know, out of thin air, um, sort of materialize this money. Um, and, you know, because mostly they don't, have to, they don't even have to print it anymore. It's digital. And they're making what needs to happen, happen. And I think that is happening for a lot of organizations. And as somebody who's, worked with organizations whether it be sort of large um, you know large small or even sort of government organizations around digital transformation it's been amazing you know this instead of this two-year project of protracted planning literally organizations in a matter of weeks have had to digitally transform and some of them are doing it well some are doing uh, i'm really struggling and some of the organizations it's um that are struggling uh, quite often has to do with security, and that is a very real, um, uh, a real sort of difficult hurdle to come over if they're dealing with sensitive data and materials. But some of them are just cultural, and some of them are really command and control. Some some of these managers and bosses need to sort of walk around and see that their people are at their workstations, you know, keystroke going by keystroke, tapping things away. Um, and I, I think what's what's happening is is people are, are recognizing that you don't have to commute um, two hours a day in order to be, feel like you're part of a group or, or you're part of a team. Um, you don't need to be sitting in the same room to collaborate. And you know this is something I've known from the get-go for you know starting my business four years ago. And you know I've worked with people that started way before that. And in fact, I wrote an article called, um, it was very, uh, my background is advertising, but um, it was a bit of an MVP and minimum viable product. I just wanted to put this blog post out there and see what the response was. And it was called, the agency of the future is not an agency. Um, and it was a play on words in the sense that, you know, um, the future of the agency is, is you as a worker having your own agency in as far as who you work with, where you work, who you work for. Um, and I, I put it out there, that the fact that, you know, maybe in a, in a world where that is constantly, um, it, it is complex and has different uh, channels and different requirements at any given time, maybe uh, an advertising agency working out of a, a, a warehouse in Surrey Hills isn't the best solution. Um, anyway, I put that out there and 100,000 reads later, it, it pretty much gone viral and that was enough for me to start my business. Um, and pretty much for the last four years, I have been working remotely and it's worked great. You know, we've got people dotted up and down the coast. Um, you know, Reunion, who we work with, uh, us working together, you know, you're in, you're in the Goldie, I'm in Mullum, um, Sarah and, and Seb are currently, um, Seb's in Sydney, Sarah's currently in Newcastle, but that, that's constantly in flux and we've been able to work with that ongoing. Um, but there is, I, I suppose there is, this is a massive adjustment and just because it's happening and then people are, uh, are discovering it and, and discovering that they can do it, there are struggles, um, there are challenges. And I saw a great post on Twitter where somebody said, um, actually, we're not working from home. We are in lockdown dealing with a crisis while trying to work from home. Um, and if you're a parent, which I can attest to, having a child to deal with is, and I've got got a young child that needs constant supervision. Um, she's actually now just swinging out there with um, off the, the gymnastic rings right next to me. But, you know, I've got friends who are trying to homeschool three kids. I mean, 
doing that while holding down your um you know your job is is really is is really challenging at times so it's it's not seamless um and um you know there are these sort of different stages of where people are at on this and there are people that are digital natives or you know um you know remote workers or digital nomads um distributed teams such as what we're talking about that are really super comfortable with it and there's there hasn't been much of an adjustment for us it's just that we're unable to go outside as much but for a lot of people i imagine it would be quite a larger adjustment yeah totally like i even remember when i quit my full-time tech job being in everyone's face sometimes 16 hours a day uh and then all of a sudden just working by myself it can be a lonely place like for someone who doesn't have kids it can be super lonely um but that's the awesome thing about technology especially if you've still got your job but um you can connect with people and i think what we're going to learn to do is adapt and be better at having deeper meaningful conversations um and just through my work with um 101 tokens and the drinking stuff i've been getting messages of people saying oh i decided that i'm spending a token with someone uh, via virtual who i haven't spoken to in three years and i was like and they'd, they'd taken the time to kind of think okay, well, now this is the jam. Maybe I'm not going to go to the same pub I go to every Friday, uh, which I can't anyway, with the same two blokes. I'm going to call that person that I, I had that wild time with um, when I was traveling in my, you know, in my teenage years or early 20s or whatever. And so I find that fascinating is that we are adapting um, as we go. And I just want to touch on something based on you starting your agency from, well, agency of the future, right? Um, because it's not a typical agency. Um, I really loved, and I already knew this, but I really love that you started it with a blog post. And I feel like what we were riffing on a little bit of before was before we went live was kind of people now have a little bit of extra space, uh, potentially, as long as they don't have the kids, right? They have a little bit of extra space, maybe with their commute or they don't have their boss hawking them. Um, and so now is a really great opportunity to kind of explore maybe that, maybe it's the rise of the artisan or artisan. I just said that, I said, <laughs> I don't know how to say it probably, but maybe that's where it begins. Like when people just need to write a blog post, something simple like that, put out something that they've been thinking about for a long time and you don't need a hundred thousand views. That's rad. That's super validation. But if you get a couple of people interested then that's kind of the roll-on effect that potentially we could see this, the, the re-rise of the entrepreneurs because we're all entrepreneurs 100 years ago, right? Um, maybe a bit longer. So, yeah, what, what, what would you say to people about that kind of like prototyping that blog post or that video, that live video? Yeah, I think um, I suppose I'm sort of going back to that thing around stages and I think that the... the the elephant in the room, in terms of context, is that there are also a lot of people out there without jobs mm. um, who are very, who are struggling, who are, you know, and, and the money that the government has put aside, you know, that's not necessarily going to end up in people's bank accounts for, for a long time. So, and, and I've just noticed that the statistics as of the time of recording this, I think there's 10 million Americans that are now out of work, which is, is, mm. is really, really worrying. So there's a lot of people sort of going through that. And I think, you know, that's going back to a lot of what Jamie talks about. Um, it goes back to sort of making sure that you're okay 
that you know that you you know if if that you've got resources to make sure that you can have a roof over your head that you're going to be fed um and if you haven't you need to start reaching out to your connections in your network in your community and, and finding that um and you know i think th this isn't this isn't the the conversation around that there are there are government resources there are lots of and um you know community support organizations that can help you with that but just if if you're in that space right now then then get going you need to sort that Mm. Um, I guess then that that next phase is then you've also got people where I would even put myself a little bit in this right now where um, I'm actually, I don't have a lot of spare time right now. Um, I'm actually some of the busiest I've, I've been. And, and I know there's a lot of people I know, once again, mostly with kids um, who are really, really sort of busy, just trying to sort of keep, you know, make sure that the, that the fridge and the pantry is stocked and instead of keeping the house running and looking after kids. Um, but then, you know, there will be that gap, what you were sort of talking about, where people who are normally commuting, um, you know, a lot of people, there's that whole notion of bullshit jobs. And I'm not saying that, you know, that, um, it, you know, that a, lot of, a lot of jobs out there are bullshit, but let's face it, we've all worked. A lot of our jobs have a bullshit element to it in that old model. And I think what you're alluding to is a lot of that's kind of been cut away, whether it's the commute, the unnecessary meetings, because a lot of the meetings are happening on Zoom now, like you know, the whole thing is like, could this meeting have been an email? Like we're talking about, um, you know, Zoom Zoom burnout. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. at the moment, a lot of my life feels like professional chat roulette. It's just face faces popping up on screens one after the other. Minus the dicks. Um, minus the dicks. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah. Well, that depends on your work, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think, you know, so people are, I think, being a bit sensitive around, oh, we won't just call a meeting. You know, it is people sort of editing on that. And I think that brings us into this space of, of hopefully you know, uh, there's the personal element, which I'll get to. But then I think there's the, the organisational element, whereas before you were, there was this kind of um, quantitative measurement of showing up and being there and, and, and actually sort of being at the right meetings and possibly even sort of, you know, wearing the right clothes, saying the right things. We've all been there. But the guy that just had the charm, he could switch it on, rock in a little bit late, still have the leadership eating out of his hands, where his output really wasn't, you know, much chop. And I think in this environment, it's really going to sort the wheat from the chaff and it really is going to be about output. And so I think a lot of people will thrive being able to, if you don't have the boss looking over your shoulder, um, being able to do some deep work without getting tapped on the shoulder every every moment. Um, so, and that was actually my blog post then talked about that, is that with that spare space, you know, um, I was sort of saying you can surf a bit more, you can do a bit more yoga. Um, you know, this is, you know, given the lockdown component of what we're doing, that that is restricted. But I think, you know, that, that thing that interests you, that passion that you, you've always loved or that thing you would love to explore but you've never had time for, now's the time. And I think, you know what? Explore it without a goal. Do a blog post, you know, read up on it, do a blog post, do a video on it, get it out there, get some feedback, be, you know, be humble about it, just kind of say, look, I'm, this is something I'm exploring right now. I'd really love, if anybody is an expert on this, I'd really love your feedback on my take. Um, but at the same time, just um, grow into it and, and really create the space for it. And I think, you know, do there's some, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to if and when I finally do get a bit of time is 
uh, you know, John Viveki's meaning crisis. I mean, he's just got hours and hours. It's almost like a university course. And it's something that for me is, um, has led us almost to this crisis that we find. It's, it's, it's part of the crisis that we're having now. Um, it's one of the reasons why we don't have uh, anti-fragile systems that can adjust and, and, and look after the people that need to be looked after um, really, really quickly. Um, but I digress. Uh, you know, I think it is now is the time. You know, we're, we're getting our veggie patch sorted. We've got some chooks in for our daughter. Um, we're making sure that we're spending a lot of family time and making, you know, time for, for our daughter to find some joy in each day. Um, it's fast tracked for me, you know, for me, one of the reasons, you know, starting from, um, and, and reunion has been sort of part of this sort of gradual adjustment for me away from the game, a, the normal way of existing, which I realized was broken and wasn't sustainable. And they've all been sort of steps and, you know, we moved up here was another big step and we were well on our way to sort of in our little place here in Mullum got a, a nice large block where we can put chooks and veggie patch. The next was to get, you know, be water, self-sufficient with water tanks, solar and batteries. Um, and we haven't, you know, we, this, this crisis happened way, I knew it was kind of coming down the pipe in terms of something, in terms of either a, a big economic shock. I certainly didn't, I didn't pick pandemic. I have to admit that wasn't on my list, but climate shocks um, as we've had in Australia, where we just like, you know, drought, boom, fires, boom, floods, boom. And, you know, I had, I, on my phone, I had on, the, on my front page, I had fires near me app, closely followed by floods near me app. And so it was, it was already sort of happening. And, but I kind of thought I had a bit of time. So for me, um, it is kind of now prioritizing, it, it's, it's got some urgency, but then it's really focused us on Jamie Will's got some great um, resources on, on how to prioritize the things that you need um, in his flow genome project around uh, res you know, resilience um, and, and through a survival lens. Mm. Um, but in terms of pers personal growth, if you do have that time, yeah, man, now is the time to, to make hay and, and try and try different things. Um, if you, if you, one of those people where it's just like, oh, there's too many things I'd like to try. Well, then just sort of cycle through them and maybe you'll end up then with an ecology of practice, which you can then take into our post-COVID reality out the other side. Post-COVID reality. I like that. Although, yeah, I think the problem is, is that, well, potential problem is that people are just hanging out to go back to regular and hopefully this kind of shake-up would be a little bit of a, Hey, you know what? We can try a few different things. And there's and there's uh, the plug for me is always talking about vice optimization. So, like, if you say you have no time, is there anything that you're doing which is kind of shitty, like Netflix binges um, for one, um, or anything that you put binge on the the end of that you can have a little bit of self-reflection time and then see if you can take back a bit of that quality time to do something a bit more interesting. Um, and I think it's, it, it's great point. You, you know, it's, it's hit us a little earlier than what we said. I think all the, the smartest minds that we follow and that we associate ourselves with have all said that in one way or another, that it's come a little earlier than what we thought. So it's not 
they're not everyone's not going oh my god oh my god you know this is this has been coming for a long time and that's why you just mentioned ecology of practice this is potentially just the the jab before the uppercut the, the little jab <laughs> this this you know you were throwing punches before this is probably just this could potentially just be another jab and we don't know what the uppercut is so now if we are thinking about this extra space where are we finding flow joy um getting chooks in um what what can we do now so we've got like you mentioned an ecology of practice that keeps uh keeps us in alignment as best possible given whatever the the context is at the time um and i'd love to hear from you because ecology of practice is very important i guess for the most part we're talking about um what are our what are our daily routines our habits our rituals etc but a big part of that and a big part of the, the overall ecosystem and, and the work that we're doing with reunion and in particular our program rise up um, is, and, and where you really, I guess, come to the fore and, and, and give a, such an invaluable part of the puzzle. It's our ecology of information. So some people that might be like the gnarliest term they've ever heard they never really thought of of that as a thing can you give us a little bit of a explanation as to what an ecology of information is yeah well it's um you know we're, we're humans and um as humans we're the top of the food chain and one of the reasons we're top of the food chain is um not just the opposable thumb and being able to make tools it's just the fact that we were able to work together we were able to collaborate and the key tool for that of technology or um, you know psychotechnology as John Bavakey calls it you, you know is was narrative um, and whether it was you know um, you know early sort of mysticism and shamanism through to philosophy and, and religion it was able to you know we're able to sort of tell each other stories and 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 when a story has enough salience between enough people it becomes an, an accepted truth um and so that is really how we make sense of the world it's how it helps us perceive it it helps us make sense of it and then it helps us then make the decisions we we need to make in order to to live our lives um and that has obviously experienced some rapid change over the last while and to the extent that there is you know what uh, daniel schmachtenberger calls a, a broken information ecology and i think we we'd all agree with that. And um, that led to sort of, you know, particularly in Australia and America, some, some really profound polarization with deep partisan bias quite often in, in a lot of sources. Um, and something that we go through in the Rise Up course is, you know, there is, you know, when you're sort of looking at the information, this is the information you're receiving in terms of media. So social media, um, publishers, uh, news sites, um, newspapers. Um, there's a sort of an X and Y axis and there's, there's, and there's quality, um, there's high quality and low quality and then there's, um, there's left leaning and right leaning. Um, and, you know, it's something that we, we go through. It's just, you know, when you're looking at, your, at, your, at the information that you're receiving to understand where that information is coming from. Is it a trusted source? How partisan is it? You know, if it's high quality and centre left, well, then, you know, that's that's something that um, you know you can certainly take on board. But maybe what's the set? What's a high quality centre right take on the same uh, on the same issue? And it's very. Can you explain? Um, can you just quickly explain like le left and right in general terms? Yeah. So in general terms, I mean, it's um, 
from on the political spectrum, you know, you've got um, you've got One Nation on the far right. You've got the Liberals who used to be centre right in recent years. You know, sort of maybe Malcolm was a bit sort of centre right, but you know, you, you've got a lot of more author. Or if this is for Australian audiences, um, Australia, you've got you, definitely the Liberals are now more um, sort of very sort of religious con and, and con conservative, and so and a bit more sort of authoritarian. So they're more far right. You've got uh, Labour, which is sort of actually becoming sort of more and more centre-left and is almost kind of dead centre at the moment. And then you've got Greens, which is sort of more on, over on the left. Um, and then you've got high-quality journalism. So, you know, you've got things like the, the Saturday paper. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the monthly ABC. Um, they're kind of centre, sort of centre-left. Um, you've got the Australian. And it's really interesting on the graph that we use in... Um, in Rise Up, you've got the Australian and the Guardian. So their their news, just their their straight out news, is is deemed to be probably sort of high quality centre left for the Guardian and high quality centre right for the Australian. But then in their opinion, that they drop in both quality and they move more out to the extremes. So more out in the extreme on the right, and more out on the extreme on the left. Um, so I think that there's that on media. But then what? is what has been really interesting in this current corona crisis is seeing the, the failings of sort of the failings and also in some ways you know some of the this consolidation that's really sort of happened um, in this crisis around both mainstream media and on social media um, I've found Facebook to be a mess around this and it's mainly because it's your friends you know you're um you know you 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 your weird mate from high school who's now a QAnon conspiracy theorist, um, sort of, you know, sharing sort of memes about how it's a, it's a bioweapon um, when clearly the science around the genetics has shown that it, that it hasn't been, that it isn't a bioweapon. Um, it's, um, you know, having those kind of themes kind of come in, is, it's always good to sort of ask, you know, uh, where did you get this from? Um, where, did, where did you find this? What source? Um, uh, and I, and I, what I'm sort of seeing is that even the mainstream media is, is quite often taking the government at its word. And the government is quite often being wrong at this. You know, in, we've seen the, uh, the, the chief medical officer be a couple of weeks behind Norman Swan, who is um, the, the chief, sort of the medical expert that the ABC has become basically, you know, our fire chief. Um, who was, um, you know, the, the various fire chiefs who just became that sort of central gospel for us during the fires. Has been, Norman Swan has been that. And, you know, as a communications uh, strategist and, and analyst, I'm, I'm always looking at, at patterns in, in terms of who has been more consistently right over time. And Norman has been much more right than our own sort of chief medical officer. Um, and so that's what the government has, that's been the government line. So the government line, which should be trusted, is not necessarily as accurate as um, the, the ABC, um, as the ABC has been. And then even more so, the sense-making component of Twitter that I've been on has been absolutely phenomenal. And yes, there was a lot of misinformation on there during the bushfires. There was a lot of bots. There was a lot of trolls, a lot of trolling going on. And yes, that is still there. But if you're if you can curate um, and follow the right people, um, 
Twitter has been an incredible sense-making tool for this because essentially you've got some of the smartest people in the world with this channel. It's almost like everybody has been working on this. Everybody has been crunching the data. Um, and, you know, it's almost this kind of like crowdsourcing and people are just putting stuff out there going, this is what I've found, what do you think? And then somebody else is passing what, they're done, what they've done. Um, and it's really difficult. You know, even the raw data we're receiving is not necessarily accurate. You know, the, 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 the deaths, the, the death numbers aren't necessarily accurate because there's some, there's some people saying that the, the actual deaths from COVID in Italy could be double what they are because some of these deaths are either, you know, they didn't necessarily die from complications of COVID, but the COVID made it worse or people died because they couldn't get into an ICU bed because they were taking up with so many people sick from the disease. Um, there's interesting things coming out around China around how, Earn the uptick in uh, earns cremation earns is outstripping what the government, the official government line is from China around people that died from it. So even those graphs that we're looking at, which is official data, may not necessarily be accurate. So that's where something somewhere like Twitter just becomes this incredible crowdsourcing kind of filter. Um, for working out what is going on and um, you know it, the, the, the other thing is off the back of that is to, to switch off from it you know because that gets a bit addictive and it's something that I bring it all back to your vice optimization is that you know um, really bad soil if it's saturated you know you, you've got to have a mixture of nutrients and air and bugs and bacteria and and compost in there. You've got to have a right balance of everything so then the plant can thrive. If you're just on Twitter, you know, hitting for the latest news, um, you know, that becomes then a vice and it becomes problematic and you're basically saturating your own information ecology. You need to be going out there and giving yourself a break. You need to be spending time with people. You need to be having conversations with people about this kind of stuff. You don't want to be bouncing it around inside your head. You want to find people like-minded people who are looking up on this thing and you know what sources have they um, been looking at and what have they discovered you know get on zoom have a friday drinks and sort of talk about this but then make sure you do end up talking about something else um, really focus on a couple of trusted sources maybe check in to you know um, you know listen to 7 a 7 a.m on the morning the 7 a.m podcast is amazing it's literally 10 12 minutes and They've got a, a journalist that's uh, sort of focusing on, on one point. Um, the Daily, which is very American-focused, uh, similar. I think 7am sort of borrowed the model off it, but they are basically, you know, they're, they're all doing corona stuff at the moment. Um, but they're really short snippets. The Daily is uh, from the New York Times, New York Times podcast. And it's like a half an hour deep dive onto, onto a topic where they're speaking to a journalist or an expert or a scientist. Um, um, but at the same time, yeah, man, like you, we, we, we were joking yesterday about, you know, it's, it's, it is hard to find corona-free content at the moment, but it's, it's, it's actually spread faster through our information ecology than it has um, throughout our, you know, through, throughout our communities. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to sort of then bring that back to you and, and into the information ecology. And I think, you know, we are needing some new rituals now. Um, to deal with this and you know you sort of mentioned that I, it's something that I'm sort of mindful of like I've, I've mentioned that my 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 uh, 
vice optimization of sort of my whiskey nightcap has, has gotten a bit bigger over the last couple of weeks. But it is, you know, I'm still keeping a little and keeping it to that. Um, I am allowing myself a, a, a Netflix, but, you know, a, you know, one, maybe two episodes max every now and then just to sort of as a bit of a cleanser from, you know, just to give myself a bit of a mental break. Um, exercise is a good one. Um, you know, from, from your perspective and, and ecology of practice, as somebody who has, has had sort of fairly well-defined rituals and quite a, quite a lot of them outdoors, how how have you adjusted your ecology of practice and also your ecology of um, information in the last couple of weeks? Because it's been a mass, even for us where, like we said, we probably hasn't been as much of a shift as it's been for others. It has still been an absolutely massive shift for everybody. Yeah, yeah I think, and this is what I've been talking a little bit about lately, is like if you've already got some good rituals um, that you can adapt just keep doing them because like like Jamie talks about it's like keeping you in line so when the shit hits the fan you get you know the hitting the ground isn't as hard you can land a bit softer um so yeah starting with just the stuff that I'm, I already do daily that hasn't changed a lot yet because we're not like I've got some clients in the UK and they're like can go out once a day it's this odd sort of vibe uh, in the US, people aren't even allowed out at all in some places. Um, so it's it's literally starting from where you're at. Um, with my information ecology, uh, I, I'm tending just to listen to uh, people like yourself, who I trust, I wholly trust. And just because I totally trust you doesn't mean that I take every word that you say as whole truth, which is a really interesting point for people to, to think about. Because I think, especially maybe my parents' generation a little bit, um, were trusting a lot in, in the news that was on the TV back in the day because they were the only sources pre-internet, right? Um, and there's still a hangover of that, that we just trust what the news readers are saying. Um, and like you're saying, maybe now it feels like the information's getting a little bit better, but it's still behind the eight ball. Um, so, yeah, my information ecology is is literally... It was funny. I went to listen to a podcast yesterday and I went oh, you know what you can do? Here's a hack. Just scroll back two weeks or a month and just just hit, go listen to a podcast there from your favorite podcasters because they're probably not talking about it just yet or it's only a, a little reference. And pending what that, the role of that plays, so that phone, that app that has the podcast on it, it's like you just said with your Netflix, is the role of Netflix for me to learn about coronavirus or learn about, adapting my business or whatever through a documentary or is it for me just to disconnect and when if it's just to disconnect if it's just to not, not disconnect i think disconnect sucks i think change the channel is a better metaphor for it so yeah just to change the channel switch into that recovery mode then a podcast like i was listening to future thinkers with derek sivers which is which derek sivers is one of my favorite thinkers and they were just talking about the stuff that because I, I love future thinkers podcasts and I love Derek Sivers' mind. So those collaboration, they didn't talk about anything to do. It was a very positive, happy podcast um, and vibes. So if you need a bit of a, it's, it, we're always talking about like upregulation and downregulations of state. So if you're feeling flat and shit, don't listen to COVID. Don't go and seek out death statistics. Like, fuck, come on, like wake up. Not to overuse that term. Listen to a podcast from your favorite people. Listen to some read some poetry from your favorite poet. Um, listen to uh, 
nostalgic music that is positive. Um, I, I tripped up the other day and started listening to some punk rock emo music from when I was a teenager and I was feeling a little bit bad and it probably made me feel worse. But find the nostalgia that are like upbeat, listen to some Phoenix or something. Um, and so they're kind of like these adaptable practices that I've dropped in. But the fun thing is, is that, and I, I get a massive kick out of shifting my habits and my rituals um, because I get super bored super quick. So this kind of like rapid adaptability has been good, but it just in my personal relationship with my partner, Jackie, we've had a real rough, especially last week more so a real rough week. Cause she's still at work cause they haven't shut the schools and essential services and stuff. And then I'm at home going like, I'm social isolated, you know, like you're not, and you're, you're out there. Like what's the point in me being social? So there's tensions that arise that aren't normally there. But what we've found is, is that you just have to go back to open conversations and the practices, the ecology of practice around open conversations with your loved ones is more important than ever. Um, so that's, that's been a big one. Um, but I'd like to throw a question back to you around. So say you're someone who is, this is the first time I've heard of ecology of information and oh, maybe I have been just watching a current affair and, um, and probably they're not listening to this, but um, I give my listeners more credit. Um, but maybe you have just been a little bit narrow focused and, and just believing the hype of everything for a long time, listening to, to way too many Instagram fucking influencers who have no idea about science, but spout and then don't give, uh, like you were saying before, references, which, which invalidates a lot of things that I hear straight off the bat if there's no, no at least hat tip to that this is coming from a reliable source. How would someone go about carving a new information ecology? That's the question. Yeah, I think um, it's a really good question, Benny. And I think, I mean, that is also a very difficult one because mm. it's, it's almost like a, 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 you know, like a map of interests as well. Um, and it depends, you know, on, you know, if it is about what, what it, I imagine you're looking at through the framing of what is, um, what is going on in the world rather than just kind of your interests and, and whatnot, you know, it's like the big important stuff. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, I think it is important, you know, I've had sort of friends to me sort of say, you know, Matt, why are you worrying about what's going on in America? You know, it's different over there and we're in Australia and it's so far away. And I'm like, yeah, dude, um, no, what happens in America has a massive ripple effect on, with us. And, um, you know, I, I think, um, and I think that happened for me in 9-11. You know, I was just a, a party kid in the 90s and, you know, sort of travelling around the world and, you know, just kind of, you know, pretty go free and, and, and happy and go lucky. And, um, and then 9-11 happened and that was a very important switch for me and that was where I really started to, be, you know, get interested in geopolitics and very got very got in sort of in sort of followed a lot of bloggers um very early on of which say sam harris quite early on in the piece and he, he sort of really early on in his career sort of discovered him there and a lot of the these kind of emergent thinkers back then emerged out of that um and i think it's important to understand what is going on like you cannot affect it i think this is the balance you know you can obsess yourself and get fill your mind up with all this kind of information which you can't actually uh, affect on 
But what you do want to have is enough information that you are knowledgeable and where you do, like for instance, the stuff that like, I, man, I'm really, really worried about American collapse. You know, to put Debbie Downer on it, but 10 million out of work kind of hit me in the solar plexus this morning. Um, a little bit like the other morning, sort of seeing that, um, that basically uh, our New South Wales government was uh, going to fine us $11,000 or put us in jail for six months unless we were doing 16 pre-approved activities. And um, that for me was, you know, once again, part of my information in ecology is I'm a massive fan of sci-fi and dystopian films and novels. And I was like, wow, I feel I'm literally in one right now. Um, at that. And so it helps frame the information of what's happening around you if you've got that larger context of what it's happening in. And also understanding that, man, Australians are really, you know, she'll be right, mate. The Australian she'll be right, mate, is going to get us in trouble. So the government possibly does need... So it's looking at from to like, wow, that's really dystopian. That, that freaks me out. But hold on a second. We saw what was happening at Bondi Beach. Um, people weren't social distancing. Everyone's like, oh, you know, everybody's got a couple of relatives or friends going, oh, yeah, mate, it's the beat up. Um, you know, so maybe we do need these draconian measures to flatten the curve. So what it does is it helps you look at any issue from different angles. And so my advice would be is go for high quality um, journalism, you know, the ABC, um, regardless of the flack that they get from the IPA and the right, they are high quality, they are quite, you know, they might be left-leaning, but they're quite centrist. Um, uh, anything by, by Schwartz Media, such as the monthly Saturday paper, 7am. Um, you know, I think, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I would read The Australian. I absolutely would read The Australian because it gives you an understanding of what, of what the other side of politics is thinking and saying. And they've got some excellent journalists on there. Um, Peter Van Onselen and, and even um, just in their, in their news. And they're struggling at the moment. There's a real, real, there's a real issue with this. I made sure that I renewed my subscriptions, even though things are potentially going to be getting, I have to tighten my belt. Um, but advertising, all the papers are looking really thin. You know, um, the Saturday paper and, and those guys, you know, they their advertising was from the arts sector. And there's no... They're basically on they're on hiatus until this is over. So they're asking for people to jump in, you know, buy the paper, get a subscription because um, journalists are getting furloughed or actually getting outright retrenched. And so we've got a parliament right now that has been suspended, and this has been weird for me. Like there's been Twitter's been up in arms. Hashtag Ospol is a good one to follow. There's lots of um, there's lots of great sort of thinkers on there. Yes, it's a bit left leaning. Um, um, but you know they're up in arms about it but for some reason not even the opposition has, has made much of a fuss about it the media doesn't seem to be making much of a fuss about it you know in, on insiders there was no mention of it which is the, the, the you know the political discussion last uh, discussion show last Sunday so that's a bit of a weird one for me I haven't made sense of that one yet but you know we've essentially got a government now where our parliament has been suspended uh, we've set up a uh, Scott Morrison has set up a committee where um, essentially we've got the CEO of Fortescue Metals and a couple of good old boys pulling things together. And you know they've, they've so far uh, you know that the package has come out for workers and childcare. As, as um, I, I've got to say once again, 
you know, we've got to put our partisanship aside a little bit and we've actually do have to get behind our government and hold into account that we've got to get behind Scott Morrison and our government because if they fail, our society fails and it's going to be that. We do not want that to happen. But at the same time, we want a strong opposition. We want a strong media ecosystem that is watching them like a, like a hawk and holding them to account. And if we want that to happen, we need to support um, some of these, you know, some of these media, uh, high quality journalism and high quality journalism, um, you know, costs money. So my advice would be, if you do have the money, like if this is about, if things are really tight at the moment, don't lift, don't don't go out there and, and get a, a 12 month subscription. But if you do have money, a bit of money lying around, it's actually not that expensive. Get a couple of good subscriptions, you know, from you know, you know, the, the Guardian, the Saturday Paper, the Australian, the, the Sydney Morning Herald, um, Dumbo Feather, Dumbo Feather, yeah. And I think that then goes out to that's traditional. But then look at your podcast, look, you know, mm. Future Thinkers, Rebel Wisdom uh, podcast, or um, Rebel Wisdom, a more of a YouTube channel, but they feed some of it onto a onto a podcast. Because that, that's a bit more meta. That's all just news and journalism and what, very sort of focused locally. Um, I would start looking into podcasts such as that because you've got thinkers such as Daniel Schmachtenberger, Benita Roy, uh, Jordan Greenhall and now Jordan Hall. Um, and um, you know, I, think, I noticed Richard Bartlett is, is starting to sort of make a, a real uh, a sort of show on, on some of that as well. Some of these sort of thinkers that then help us make sense of what's going on. And then, and, and so there's, um, that helps us have that agency to then show up in this, in this crisis. Um, and Richard Bartlett is, is um, on Twitter is a really good follow as well um, from Inspiral. And I, I, he's got a lot of, he, he was sort of saying, you know, one of the things around making an impact in this and is, is going out and finding a kindred community um, and so that for me is probably the, I, I, it's never a complete jigsaw, jigsaw. It's never a complete piece. It's always in flux, but I think that's a, another really important aspect of the information ecology is making sure you've got like a kindred community, a crew. And it was really interesting sort of hear him, um, on the latest rebel wisdom talk about how, you know, um, he sort of has this kind of idea of, um, a, di a dialectic which is the two people um and then a crew which is like you know your larger crew which is we've always referred to each other in reunion as a crew and then you've got a congregation and a congregation is that dunbar number of 100 or 200 um and then beyond that it's just a crowd um but i think making sure and i think this is this is a time that if you're feeling really isolated i'm sure you can think of someone some people that you really, you know, connected with, whether it was traveling or whether you lived in another city, maybe you've moved to another city. I know done that a couple of times and that can be really isolating and you're probably feeling very isolated right now. Um, I've even seen a lot of people talk about that, you know, even though they are isolated in a house and probably not living a very different life to the one they'd be living in their city, just spatially, just um, geographically, just in terms of, you know, sort of, country and, and, and place, they're feeling really isolated. So now is an opportunity to connect them with them, whether it's via house party or Zoom or, or FaceTime. 
and make them part of your kindred community. And that then becomes a really important part of your information ecology as well. Have regular catch-ups, whether it's, you know, tea parties, Friday drinks, whatever, whatever your jam is, dance parties, you know, get dressed up for it. It's, oh, there's a great meme I'm sort of seeing at the moment, which I think is a TikTok kind of leeching its way onto, onto Twitter with girls kind of, whether it's, um, you know, girls from the black community in America or Palestinian girls or African, African fashion one was, a, was absolutely mind-blowing where they kind of throw the makeup brush to each other and then they, they're there in their, just their normal house clothes, um, you know, in lockdown. And then they sort of tap the screen with the brush and then they're all sort of glammed up. Just having, just riffing on stuff like that, like bringing play into it, you know, rather than just being what I, you know, what I'm doing now, throwing a party shirt like what, what you have, Benny, and sort of make it a bit of an occasion. Um, and that really sort of then helps you. It's part of your information ecology. It becomes part of your ecology of practice, but then it's also kind of integral in how you're showing up in this new crisis that we find ourselves in. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful rundown. Um, so many points I could just hook into there. Um, but Richard from Inspiral, I don't know if it was him that said it, but he was he was interviewed on a podcast years ago and and some or, or, or one of his team. And basically the podcaster was started banging on about their products that they were developing. And he was like, yeah, 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 the products are good. But you know what? is way better than the products. The fact that I get to turn up with a bunch of my mates every day and ask each other questions and inquire and, and, you know, build stuff together. Um, and I, and that was like a catalyst moment for me. I was like, okay, all right, we can build epic stuff that the world needs. But before that you need to look after yourself, like you've just mentioned, but you, but you need to find the people, find the frothers. Um, that you can build it with. And if you're doing, if you're looking after yourself and you're hanging out with the right people, like we always say with Reunion when we have a fuck fest, which is a creative orgy of ideas. Um, and if we hang out together, we'll, something will emerge. If we, if we, we'll, we'll figure out what the, the question, the problem is, something will emerge. So now more than ever, you've got an opportunity to maybe connect with someone where you thought, oh, I really found flow with that person. Or I really found flow with the information that was coming from that particular media. Um, start to re-explore it. Um, and I've also, I want to throw a hypothesis at you here. I might've solved one of your problems. So do you think that the parliament shutting down, the reason that Labor have no problem with it and that the media aren't talking about it is because everyone's just fucking glad that they don't have to turn up and listen to adults yell at each other like children. Not even children. I think everyone's just like, oh, cool, that's fucking over. Maybe we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, all you have to do is watch Question Time. I mean, let me caveat this with, let's say I'm, I'm very grateful to have won the lottery to be, you know, um, won the lottery to have been born in Australia and to be living in, in Mullumbimby and all, all, the, all the, the privilege and fortune that comes with that. But I tell you what, man, we've got one of the worst examples of, uh, of, uh, of, of Westminster democracy. And when you sort of see it up there, it's just, um, 
it, it is, it reminds me, it literally reminds me, I, I, I went to a boys private school. It reminds me of the banality of the bullies that when you would see like sort of almost kind of a two, two, <laughs> two dickheads from your years just kind of facing off against one another. Um, trying to spin, remember that, you know, they'd try and spin the, the crowd for off, you know, because everyone would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'd try and spin it off off you or the, off them or back onto the other person or just onto someone else. Mm. There's no sense making there. There's no collaboration going on. There is no co-design. And I, I, I check, I don't watch it, but I, I follow politicians on, on Twitter and they, they post up videos and I watch it. And I'm just, it's just despicable. And it's just like this. Yeah. It's, it's uh, hopefully, uh, and, you know, we, we've been, we've been, at, as as many others are exploring new ways of governance maybe off off the back of this because that just clearly doesn't work just having two teams shouting at one another when we've got the most the comp the, the problems that we're dealing with are, uh, increasing complexity um and we've got this binary model of two people sort of, of like black and white right and wrong left and right um with absolutely zero nuance um and, you know, if that was the policy you took to the election, even if your reality's changed, you're going to implement it, even though the reality is completely different. And it is, mm. my God, it is not, it is not the model for the world. And we've known that for such a long time. Um, but what I'm hoping for is that this will be uh, a, a reckoning where people will see how broken it was and is. And then people will go, oh, hold on a second. You can do this. You can pay for 100% childcare. You know, you can um, double new start. Um, you know, we can solve problems really quickly um, that, are, that are existential. We can just stop the status quo and introduce something new entirely um, and tweak it on the fly based upon new information that we're receiving. So I hope that off the back of this, um, that there will be an intergenerational shift of power. Um, mm. um, I, I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Daniel Schmachtenberger. It was, you know, it was this, and it, he kind of says, you know, you know, this isn't an intergenerational thing, but, you know, OK Boomer didn't come out of nowhere. You know, it's literally, dude, you're in power, you're out of touch, back off, you know, like, and, and, I, and I, I think... There is something in that, and we've felt this frustration that we've seen these people in power playing these old games that are just like, what are you talking about? The issues we're going to solve over here, and you're like, this is what you're focusing on. So there's a there's a hope there, and I think, um, you know, once again, and I think this is as we go into this, there is, um, and once again, Richard Bartlett sort of talks about we need a new framing. Because there is every chance we'll go back to the new normal. I think, oh, sorry, going, but go back to normal, go back to the status quo. I think Scott Morrison was even quoted as saying that that's his goal. And man, he is our prime minister. So, um, and he's the one holding the power. He's got the one with the asymmetry of power. So he's going to want to just sort of bring it back and we'll probably, you know, cut all sorts of uh, essential services in order to pay for the bills. So, you know, Richard Bartlett talks to the same as that we can't, we can't just reframe it as not go, as not going back to normal. We've really, 
we've been really bad and even the climate movement has been really bad at articulating a vision for a better future. So I think that's where we've got to get busy. Um, and we're in this kind of, I've seen a lot of models out there around different three stages that we're in at the moment. Um, you know, a friend of ours, Alice, is talking about how through Theory U we're in the triage stage. Um, I've seen models around adapt or sort of react, which is what we're in now, then, uh, um, then adapt and then build back better. I've seen other ones, which is um, protect, pivot and rebound. Um, but there's, there's also in externally, in as far as what is happening outside of us, there is what we're in right now is, you know, we're in the crisis and where it's super reactive. Um, but very soon, I'll probably say in a, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna then move into like, you know, a twilight zone where we're still adjusting to this new reality. And this is a, a, a sort of a model that um, Chris Savage is a comms expert, um, bit of a, a sort of an, a wizened elder in the comms industry. It's kind of using this model um, and in this kind of twilight zone, you know, we're adjusting to life at home and, you know, we're, we're you know, recalibrating, recalibrating, you know, we've still got to make sure that granny's okay. We're still, you know, dealing with, you know, homeschooling and whatnot. Um, but then we're going to start to move into the new dawn. And I think, you know, this is where we really do need to start to get busy. And that's, you know, Scott Morrison is saying six months. He hasn't released what the modelling is that he's got on that. It may well be longer where we're still in lockdown. Um, and, you know, there's going to be some really harsh realities of a lot of businesses going out of business. And so it's not all going to be, um, you know, tilling the, the veggie garden. Um, a lot of people are okay now, may not be okay then. But still... Hopefully the government response is sort of propping things up and but we're gonna have to get busy and we are gonna have to um, you know run run fast and chew gum at the same time and, and we're going to have to articulate a vision for the future. Um, because we can't just say, oh we you know what is what is the new normal? We can't just say this vague new normal. We saw where a vague uh, approach got us in the last election or got labor in the last election. You know, you know they, they, they did a lot of policy settings, but they didn't actually articulate the vision that we were moving into. They were just sort of saying that they would tackle climate change. Um, we have to get really specific and, you know, we have to, that's where I think, you know, that's our approach with reunion. Let's sort of bring everything together. Let's create um, a, a vision. Let's reimagine this, you know, the, um, the machine that's been doing this to us and has been doing a lot of the damage is kind of being knocked offline for, for quite, you know, for quite a while. And this is going to be our opportunity to imagine. And uh, we don't have to just imagine it. We have to articulate and design it, this regenerative future that we're all hoping for. Um, and only then do we even stand a remote chance of getting there, I think. Totally, mate. And something just popped into my mind, which I hadn't kind of thought about um well i'd thought about it but individually that three uh people who are friends of reunion in one way or another spent a week as the crisis actually hit in meditation these three people don't know each other um uh, by the way as far as i'm aware and and that's pretty interesting right and that's and it's kind of like 
we, it would be great if everyone thought in emerging terms, you know, like, oh, this is an emerging thing. We can't give you B. We can't give you A from A to B because no one really knows. But we can give you uh, a path that we can potentially go on. But there needs to be some degree of pause. There needs to be some degree of like, okay, we're here. Whether that's your meditation practice, um, whether that's getting out into to nature where you can. And I think just listening to you speak, it's almost like the new way of working is just to, like we did with our last, our last get together, is have a whole period of pause and that everyone can kind of get behind. And I know we're in reactionary mode, but maybe it's not whole days or whole weeks, but pausing at the moment just to go, to breathe out, I think could be one of the most important things for us to expand during the twilight zone. I think twilight zone is an interesting thing to layer over that, that theory of uh, the luminaries and the trailblazers and um, from benefit mindset, right? Um, yeah. So how can we be luminaries during the twilight zone and how can we pause together and then move forward from that place? Yeah, I love that. And I think what is also coming up for me in that is um, in this twilight zone, just even the name of it, like it, 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 um, it was literally a show that I grew up with, of sort mm. of like weird, weird, spooky stuff that happens. And then that's bringing in some of the, you know, things that, um, that's been coming up with John Viveki and, and Jordan Greenhall and, and um, is, is bringing um, some of the mysticism back into this and that this is it's going to be an important key to how we solve this because it isn't just all serious design you know we're going to design our ways out of this and you know like policy settings and everything that's part of what got us here you know so much of that you know is um it's too cumbersome and it's not fast enough and a lot of this we're going to have to feel our way through it through instinct through insight um and meditation is a part of that and even sort of for me like i've had a my dreams have come back online and are a massive part of, of my life as a kid and as a teenager in my 20s which is in the last week or so they've come back online as a real sense making sort of, sort of psych, psycho technology for me like last night i know other people's dreams are, are boring but it was completely abstract it was literally uh, and you know we've been talking about mosaics bringing things together as a mosaic, but it was that laid onto the fact that I'm feeling separated and mm. we are human creatures and I am social and I love contact and um, I'm feeling very isolated and I'm feeling I'm in a cell. And if you're, look, you're thinking of a mosaic, maybe a tile mosaic, you've got the tile with the grout around it. Um, and that's what I feel like at the moment. There were all these little cells and we're all sort of separated at the moment. And I'm really sort of feeling that there's a lot of compartmentalization going on. Um, and it, it really helped just waking up with that. It helped me on a way that is almost psychedelic in a way of kind of insight. And they talk about an awakening that you can't explain. If you have that in, in meditation, you can't explain it using words. There is a sense of knowing where words fail us. Mm. Um, and we've lost touch with that. And I think it's, you know, ecology of practice that puts us back in touch with that. We had it in nature. Um, 
you know, plant medicine and, and psychedelics put us back in touch with that. Um, I've, I've heard so, I mean, I, literally I'm in Mullumbimby, but there's been a lot of conversations that I've, I've been um, listening in when I have gone out on my missions with people talking about microdosing psilocybin to, to sort of, you know, retreating back to some plant medicine to sort of reconnect with what is going on. And I think whatever, whatever psychotechnology you're using or ecology of practice, um, finding space for that in this or now actually for many people it will literally be creating space for that mm -hmm. introduce it you know like it's it, it's probably weird meditating or you, it's probably weird or impossible to meditate for half an hour in the middle of the day in your office environment you can go and do that now that's something that i've always found to be you know we talk about doing a yoga nidra you know just lying you know it's a massive um you know, some people might call it a productivity hack. I've actually sort of found it like a real ecology of practice um, to actually go and lie down in, in bed for sort of 20 minutes and doing a yoga nidra and waking up feeling refreshed and going into it with intention and, and coming back and feeling that I can tackle a problem with a lot more insight. And I think, um, yeah, that's where, that's where those kind of practices and experimenting with some of those kind of practices um, and creating space for that will bring in this um, idea of knowing that is not what you learn at university. Um, it's not what you're going to read from a book. It's not what you're necessarily going to pick up from your ecology of practice. Uh, so your, your ecology of information, no matter how high, how high quality it is, um, creating space for that, that little whisper, that hunch, that gut feel, um, creating the space for you to cultivate it, um, but at the same time for you to have the headspace and the mindfulness to actually notice it when it is talking to you. Because we all have that chatter going on up there, you know, spinning around and those external demands coming down on us. Um, yeah, I think that is a massive opportunity that was, you know, that is something you can absolutely cultivate in, in lockdown for well, many of us can anyway. Yeah, and I think that's like such a, a perfect way to wrap up this conversation because as we know, we can just chat forever, um, especially on frothy topics, even though these ones are a bit gnarlier than usual. Um, and just a caveat, because I know gnarly can be used in a positive way and a negative way. So I'm just, I'm just going to throw that one out there. But um, yeah, so if we, I guess the, the, the message here is if you want to have a little bit more of a deeper dive into these things, um, to come play with us. We are, yeah, we're launching uh, the second iteration of our Rise Up program and that'll be starting on Wednesday. So I've got to get this podcast out. Um, yeah, mate, any final words for people yeah. before, before we uh, sign off? Yeah, no, I'd, I would just say, um, I imagine you're going to put a little super down here which will sort of have the link. Yeah, 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 to, somewhere um, here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just go in there and check it out. If you have any questions and shoot it through, we're, we're happy to, to even sort of jump on board and sort of have a chat with you. Um, you know, it is by donation. So we, we appreciate that, um, that, uh, that people are in different stages of, um, of, you know, I, you know, whether some people might be out of work or just, you know, an unstable work, some people might be absolutely fine. So we leave it up to you in terms of donation. If you would still like to get involved, then we are, we are running scholarships, so you can just shoot us an email. Um, but we, it is, I, I suppose one thing I will sign off on, and it's something that um, 
you'll see in some of the testimonials there and it's something that I get so much from and I've learned so much from is this kind of sense of community that we've had off the back of it. We've got a bunch of legends that we're doing weekly catch-ups with that have spun out some truly amazing projects off the back of it. Some of them were already working on them, but then have you know jumped into them with renewed vigor. Um, but that that really sort of gives you know almost like a that kindred community that we we're talking about before, where if you're sort of maybe sort of feeling like you've got a lot to offer, you're feeling a little bit stuck, whether it is through you know your own internal sort of value sets. Um, whether it is through your information ecology or your ecology of practice, or you're just stuck in as far as where you've, you know, how do you, how can you take, how can you show up in the world? Um, you know, our theory of change sort of walks everybody through that and in a really, uh, I suppose, safe and, and, and um, kind of playful and um, uh, emergent way that just will um, hopefully sort of help you cultivate some of those things and help you uh, grow like a like sprout like a, a massive beautiful sunflower at the other side yeah awesome mate such a such a um privilege and pleasure to chat with you uh there's a term i throw around a bit which is mator remember i asked you a couple of years ago would you be my mentor and you were like yeah dude that sounds sweet i'm learning as much off you as and i was like fuck well that's a mator right it's it's your yeah. friend that you can yeah. learn off and there's a reciprocal um it's reciprocal exchange so much gratitude dude and um i'm absolutely next week and i'm frothing for the future quick one guys to keep this show afloat feel free to subscribe and share the love maybe even leave a cheeky comment review that'd be awesome you can find the show notes on my website at bennywallington.com and finally this episode was sponsored by my grandma joyce reichel who passed away last year from dementia She was one of the original frothers and would talk to anyone on the bus, train or wherever and generously impart her energy and wisdom. So if you see an elderly person who is looking for someone to froth with, go and hang out with them. They've got the best stories. Also a huge shout out to our producer, Lily Haynes, for bringing this to life and Billy Otto, who created that beautiful introduction in true Billy Otto style. Also, my buddies in Australia and the UK who have been super generous in swimming me feedback. In a way, all of you guys are sponsoring me with your time. Love to the guests, past and future, and also to you guys for listening. Ciao for now. You!